Hey, I'm Aiden, and you're listening to the Mountain Movers Podcast. Welcome back. In this episode, I chatted with Aiden Tooth, an artist of many talents, but someone who expresses their voice primarily through movement and photography. Now, we talk about her photography and how it's really been her saving grace, especially in a time like this that is just very unpredictable. We chat a bit about imposter syndrome and the power that is right now in this very moment. So sit back or lace up or put your car in drive, whatever you're doing, let's move some mountains. Cue that intro in three, two. This is the Mountain Movers Podcast, a platform for you the ones with a voice to be heard, but no microphone to speak it. This is your time, your chance to become more than they believe you are, more than you believe you are. So let's do this together. All right, welcome back. I'm sitting here with Aiden Tooth. How are you doing today, Aiden? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I really can't complain. So Mm -hmm. just to kick things off with a small introduction, who are you and what do you do? Um, I'm Aiden Toop and I am a dancer, teacher, choreographer, um, and I've also recently been getting into photography. Um, So yeah. So let's get into your photography. I've noticed recently you've really decided to put your all into it. So what's that been like? Yeah, so at the start of, you know, quarantine, everything kind of being put on pause, I was, I felt lost for a while, and um, I was trying to do online classes, like, in my living room, but it just wasn't, like, it doesn't, it didn't do anything for me, and I just felt very lost, so uh, I decided to just dive headfirst into photography, because it's always been something that i really wanted to do but just didn't have the time or the funds um and this kind of kind of perfectly all came together because I could literally just focus all my energy on that for a good chunk of the day and and yeah so what did it take for you to really get into it like what were the first steps like for you I started researching cameras um and just like what would be good for like the long run I eventually want to get into uh like more in-studio dance photography. Um, So you would need like a a good powered camera to take those shots. Um, So I started researching what would be best for that. And uh, I found the Nikon D500. Um, It was highly recommended. So I decided to go with that. And uh, I I did it through this uh, little store in downtown Toronto called Downtown Camera. Um, And it was great. So yeah, eventually I want to get a, a new lens and like upgrade my equipment, but that'll come in time. It's like any new thing, right? It's uh, it's exciting to get all the all the you know bells and whistles and uh, exactly really, really find what works for you. Yeah, yeah, and I also needed to upgrade my <laughs> laptop, so I have a brand new laptop as well. So it's been nice to get all these new gadgets and such. Uh, uh, really help me, you know, make things easier for trying to you know create what what I want to do with photography. Right. And so what is it that you want to do with photography? So really, I just want to experiment right now. Just been doing a ton of experimenting with different mediums, um, 
been doing a lot of self-portraits. I do, like I said, want to get into more dance photography. Um, but right now I'm still kind of finding my, my artistic voice, I guess, um, when it comes to photography. But yeah, um, there isn't much of a game plan right now. I'm just kind of doing what feels good in the moment and, and going with that in my gut. And yeah. Well, you mentioned to me outside of this episode that photography has really been a saving grace for you. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah. And yeah. so in the times that we're facing right now where, you know, not everything is super certain and mm-hmm. you, you wake up one morning and you don't know what kind of news you're going to hear now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how has photography been something for you to lean on? It's just been that, um, like driving force has become like a new passion. Like I've always had, a, and I still have a passion for dance, but it just kind of was diminished when I couldn't be in the studio and like connecting with real people. And so this kind of gave me that, that crutch, I guess, that um, artistic crutch <laughs> to keep going. And um, I don't know, like, yeah, it was just, it's just been my saving grace through this. I, I've just been feeling at the beginning, like very low and, you know, down with all the news and the bad news going on. And so it's just kind of been a way to distract me, I guess, but in a good way and not in a way that, like, makes me un- uninformed, but um, it keeps my, my head on straight. <laughs> it's easy. I, honestly, I can speak from experience, like, especially at the beginning of quarantine. Uh, I, I looked for things to sort of numb what was going on around me yeah. so, that I, so that I didn't have to face it. Yeah, yeah. And so... You know, dance is something that obviously not everybody um, can can do just anywhere. And I think this is what something something that I realized throughout this pandemic is that I miss the studio, I miss the community, I miss the environment that we've been used to our whole life. And so, just the online classes wasn't really doing it for me, which yeah. is why I was already doing this podcast. But this was something that I really, you know, took control of and steered it in, I guess, the direction that. I always meant for it to go. And I think, I guess I can kind of relate to you with photography on that one. Yeah, totally. It feels just, yeah, it felt like a lack of control with everything. And then I just kind of wanted something that I could create and do with my own hands um, without relying on, you know, the world getting its, you know, getting its stuff together and, and other people. So yeah, totally like, uh, it just, I just felt like I was, I didn't have control of anything in my life at the time. And and now it just feels like I'm I'm regaining that, in a sense. Right. So first and foremost, we know each other through the dance community, having competed yeah. with each other for years and, you know, both finding our voice within dance. So could you tell me a bit or tell me a lot about your <laughs> journey as a dancer? Yeah. So I, yeah, I started out competitively. I did, I went to like three different studios um, growing up. Uh, and then after graduating, um, I went, I moved to New York, uh, and I went to Alvin Ailey, the dance school down there, um, which was amazing. It was an amazing, like, training program, um, like, wonderful school, amazing teachers, wonderful dancers to be in the studio with, but it just wasn't really for me. It was very, they were very, uh, strict on modern and ballet and these technical forms, which were, which are obviously amazing but it, again it wasn't for me I just felt like I didn't have an artistic voice or that I wasn't you know didn't have that drive to create 
um, kind of like what was happening during the start of the pandemic. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't I didn't stick with it. I left after a year, but I don't regret it because it gave me it introduced me to so many of my of these friends that I made and still like talk to and like connect with um, in New York. And I go back all the time to well, I used to <laughs> can't really go back now, but um, I would go back all the time to do workshops and take class. And so, yeah, I just that I didn't regret going to Alvinelli at all, but I came back after that um, and didn't really know what I wanted to do. I still wanted to dance, didn't want to go back to school right away um, because school has always just been like a struggle for me. I've always felt like I'm more, I didn't, I didn't want to be tied down to, to working on, I don't know. So <laughs> school just wasn't the option for me at the time. Um, so I kind of just uh, found a job uh, teaching at the studio, which is great because um, I could still be involved in the dance community. But then I, got, I also got a part-time job to make money. Um, so teaching, and then I was asked to, uh, two years ago, choreograph for Ryerson's Dance Pack, so not their dance program, um, their competitive team. And that was great because it was the first time I was able to work with older dancers um, that knew their bodies and were eager to try new things. Um, so I got to work with them. And then I worked with them again the following year, this, this past year. Um, and it was even better. Uh, I just felt like I was growing as a choreographer and a teacher. Um, and yeah, after that, I decided that I wanted to teach more floor work because I had a, I gained a lot of training while I was in New York and, and I went away to Springboard and I went to Europe last summer. So I was just gaining all this knowledge in floor work and uh, different contemporary styles and I really wanted to put that into a class format. Uh, so I started doing that and putting on my own classes which were great and I wanted to continue doing that, but then the pandemic came and that kind of all went down. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of been like my my journey. I can I can speak more to certain aspects of it, um, but yeah, that's basically been my dance journey. <laughs> so you, tra show. you traveled to Europe, you know, you experienced what dance was outside of Canada. Can you touch yeah. a bit about, about that? Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I kind of had a little bit of an idea going into it because I had taken class from various like Gaga teachers and contemporary teachers in New York and Toronto. Um, and doing springboard definitely opened my eyes to all these different um, choreographers and, and, and companies around the world. But then going to Europe was just a whole nother experience. It was it was really and like an eye-opening experience, seeing how the dancers and the teachers um, kind of thrive in that environment. It was amazing. We, um, I did a B12, this dance festival that goes on every year in Berlin. It was canceled this year, but um, I was really fortunate enough to go last year. And I think I did about four workshops. The studios were amazing. The, the staff were great. Everyone was just so welcoming and it didn't feel like anyone had to prove anything it just felt very like everyone was there to learn and and just grow as artists which was like 
was very refreshing, <laughs> I must say. But um, yeah, so that was just incredible to be around. And I, I was there for about three weeks. And then, uh, yeah, and then I was just traveling some more. But I, I highly recommend, if you can, go to Europe and, and dance there. <laughs> refreshing is a really good word. And I like yeah. the way you use it because, uh, you know, when you try something different, it's not always going to be refreshing. It's not always yeah. going to be that, you know, that breath of fresh air that, you know, we, we set out and search for, but yeah, it sounds like that, uh, really hit all the right spots for you. Oh, it, yeah, it definitely did. And refreshing is the perfect word because I don't know, it's something about North America and, and I don't, I've only really experienced New York and Toronto. Um, but it feels a little competitive sometimes and, like we have to, you know, um, kind of one up each other in the studio or in like, like just in general. Um, so it was just really nice to kind of be a part of a small little community for a little while because um, no one had an ego while we were there. It was just, well, I wouldn't say no one. That, that's that's um, speaking out of turn, but yeah, it just felt less less egotistical in a sense. So if you were to take the community that you met in Europe and take the community that you are also a part of here in Toronto and kind of put them side by side, what would that look like? I'm talking like similarities and differences. Hmm, similarities and differences. Let me think. Well, differences in, um, there were one big thing that was huge for me. There were no mirrors in any of the studios while I was there. Um, and just growing up in a competitive environment, that was, it's just night and day because all we ever were taught, well, that I was taught while I was competing was how I looked and what, it's, what it should look like in the mirror and just focusing so much on image and instead of what it feels like inside to dance and expressing yourself from inside. Um, so again, that was just like one and the other. Um, having no mirrors in the studio, it seems so trivial, but it's, it makes a big difference because you're more aware of what's going on in the space. You're more in tune with each other. So that was huge. Um, and also in, uh, in Montreal, when I did springboard, there were a lot of, uh, well, almost all the studios didn't have mirrors almost, but when I went to Europe, it was definitely like that big shift. It was great. Um, other differences, again, like the, the ego thing while you're in class, it just felt like no one had anything to prove. You're just there to learn for yourself and to, to just grow. Whereas here in North America, I feel like people are always trying to prove themselves in class. Like they're constantly in, a, in an audition, which is, which is good, but it doesn't leave a lot of room for growth. So uh, that's another big difference. Similarities, I would say... That's a hard one. Similarities. <laughs> Take your time. Hmm. I would say, based on my experience in New York and Toronto, I would say the the artistic drive is definitely there in both sides. Um, people really want to um, push boundaries. Um, yeah, I definitely found that that was a very common thread. Um, that I've seen throughout my dance experience that people just want to, you know, continue to push their creative boundaries. And 
but there's there's different approaches to that. So I guess that would be the main thing that would be similar. I would have to think more about that. <laughs> I guess food for thought, right? Yeah, yeah. So something you just said, actually, um, you said that there are different ways of uh, pushing the boundaries. There are. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like are you are you referring to the fact that um, kind of there's a nice way to do it, and then there's you know a not so nice way to do it. I guess so. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, there there's like millions of avenues that you can take to you know uh, find your own artistic voice or as an artist, a dancer. Um, but yeah, there's some people that you know want to step on the person beside them to get to get there. But I feel like that's futile. We we can we can really learn a lot from helping each other and and using each other as teammates and colleagues. So. Yeah, there are different ways to push boundaries for sure. It's just how you approach it, I think, is the big big thing. Right. I mean, growing up as, you know, a competitive dancer first, right? Like that's where yeah. that's where we were nurtured, that's where we were trained. We were trained to be the best, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. that's what it took to to win. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> now and now ultimately, obviously we're in very different worlds than we were when, when we did compete. And yeah. it, it's, it's less of like being the best to win. And it's more about being the best to be your best. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. When, when, when I, obviously when I realized that, um, was when I started school at Ryerson and it just, uh, like I can, I can, I can be, I can be honest in saying that, you know, I didn't regret the, the way I was like raised, the way I was trained, the way I was pushed, but no, totally. It's, it's obviously uh, important to, you know, not neglect that, but also see the progress that could be made. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't regret my training whatsoever. It taught me a lot of valuable lessons um, growing up, uh, like discipline and you know, uh, self-expression as a young adolescent. So. I definitely don't regret it. Um, it's just a very obvious difference to me now that I'm older and what I want out of um, dance and as, a, and as a choreographer, I guess. So, okay, I'm going to throw, I'm gonna throw a, you know, a, probably a hard question at you. Okay. But <laughs> just, just thinking about, you know, Aiden as an artist now and Aiden as an artist, let's say, you know, five years ago, mm -hmm. maybe even six, seven years ago, mm -hmm. younger Aiden, if you could give her some advice, one piece, one piece of advice, what would it be? Ooh, that's a hard one. Cause I often think about my time as uh, like six, five years ago. I was actually just thinking the other day, I thought, I thought I was 16 yesterday and now I'm 22. It feels like time is just <laughs> slipping. <laughs> so, but definitely I've, I've grown since then. Um, I don't know. <sighs> Advice. Never. I, I know people ask themselves this all the time and they, but it's a hard question. Advice that I would give 16 year old Aiden. Hmm. Don't try to please everyone because it's not going to happen. <laughs> I feel like I was really 
and I still I still do this, but I think we all do. I try to people please, I guess. Um, and I think that influenced a lot of my decisions when I was when I was younger. Um, don't try to do anything that people expect of you. I feel like that's a, a common thread um, with younger people, but definitely it was it was a big thing for me. Um, and just listening to your gut, I guess. Yeah. Were there, moments, where, were there moments that you think about now that you wish you had followed your gut in a certain way? Definitely, probably. I, I do have my regrets, but um, nothing, nothing big, I wonder. Hmm. Because everything that I've done that has been like – a mistake, if you will, but not not a mistake has led me to something else. Like going going to New York and um, going to Alvin Ailey wasn't a mistake, even though it wasn't for me. You know, it, it was it wasn't a mistake. It was something that I obviously needed to do to to find my path and my my journey and find these and connect with these amazing people that I met there. Um, so it's it's hard because I. I don't, I don't regret that, but I know that school and that training wasn't for me, but it also led me to so many other amazing opportunities. So yeah, I don't know. That's a hard one. <laughs> I guess that's another one that you can kind of sit on, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. hard, hard to answer these types of questions right in the moment, but <laughs> like next week, I know that, you know, it's going to pop in your head and you're going to be like, damn. It's, yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely be thinking about these questions for a while. <laughs> I'll be journaling all like after this, just like writing down all my thoughts. <laughs> I love that. So moving forward as an artist, obviously, I, I feel like the search for finding your voice as an artist doesn't really end. No, yeah. We're always searching for it because it's always changing. Yep. And so I guess my question to you is now that you have you know, not only dance as an avenue to express yourself as an artist, but you've also picked up photography. What yeah. are some ambitions you have for the future? Ooh, you know, I just want to be able to create with people that are willing to, to try new things and to, to express themselves in different ways. Um, I don't want to, I, I definitely want to find my, my voice, but I don't want to be constrained to um, like a theme or just like a way of going about my photography. I want to be able to do everything. <laughs> that's like my, that's I think the big thing. I just want to do everything. I'm, I'm interested in so many different things. And basically that's just how I've been, you know, going about life right now is just experimenting, trying things out. And if they don't work, they don't work, but then you learn something. Um, and that's how I think I'm going to be approaching photography because it, it, it's already been happening. I've been trying different things and sometimes it doesn't work out. And I just, I, I nix that project or, and then I move on because I learned from that. Um, but goals like a big, big picture things. Yeah. I don't really have, um, I don't want to put myself under too much pressure. Um, because I often think that I set my standards way too high for myself. So yeah, I'm just trying to literally go day by day. I recently finished the book, uh, the power of now. I'm not sure if you've read it by, by Eckhart Tolle. Um, and it's literally just all about being 
present and being in the moment. And there's literally nothing else but right now. The, the past doesn't exist. The future doesn't exist. It's, it's, it's here and now. So I recommend that book. <laughs> Any key takeaways from that book for, you know, if someone's listening and they're not super big on reading, honestly, I'll be honest right now with you. I'm not a big reader, but mm-hmm. if I, you could give me any some you know highlights from the from the book itself. Yeah, basically. Hold on, I actually brought it with me. Where'd it go? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I was like, maybe I can talk about this. Oh no, I brought a different one. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's basically just that title, the power of being right now and being able to harness the eternal energy within ourselves that we often disconnect, um, and just being so utterly and completely present that there's the inner voice that is constantly going in your head is silence. It's a, it's a really hard thing to wrap your head around. And he he talks a lot about trying to silence that, that voice that just keeps talking. Even when you're not doing anything or you think you're relaxed, there's sometimes there's that narrative going on in your head about something that happened that day or something that you want to do next week or just trying to, to quiet that chatter in your head is extremely difficult, um, I find. It's, it's really, really hard. It's not easy to just be completely present um, and in the moment. So he talks a lot about that. Uh, and also just like it's kind of you get to a point where you're in this meditative state, but you feel complete joy. I think he, he often he kept talking about how we find these moments. Um, throughout, you know, our years, throughout our days, like moments of, of joy. And that's when we're completely present in the now, um, which I find so, so interesting because we've all experienced that work. And I, and I found that with dance, like being in a dance studio and just like letting go and being free to the movement, I found utter peace and utter joy. And I feel like that's what he was talking about, just surrendering to the now, um, which is harder, a lot harder than it seems. But I definitely have been there through dance. So yeah, that's kind of the gist. <laughs> I, yeah. He also, I think, has an audio book if you want to listen to it. But yeah. That's right up my alley. And honestly, you keep throwing around these like really good words, like refreshing, and you just use the word surrender, surrendering to the movement, surrendering to the moment. You know, yeah. Being where you are and not thinking about what's next. And it's hard for me, if I'm being honest, because I'm a big dreamer and I'll always be thinking about, you know, what is, what can I do after this? And like, if I'm already doing this, what's next? When, where can I go after this? And sometimes it gets exhausting if I'm being honest. Yeah, Yeah. it does. No, it definitely, it does. And that's what he was saying. Like, it's okay for you to have plans and have dreams, but don't lose touch with reality and how you feel right now. As long as you're present, you will never experience sadness. In his, in his in his in his words, that's basically what he's saying, um, which is obviously so so much harder than just those words. But yeah, it's hard because we we're taught to dream big. We're taught to you know just do do more, do more, do do everything. You know. Um, but sometimes it's okay to just, you know, take a step back and, and listen to what you need in the moment. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, that's been that's been a, a good read for me. It was definitely something that I needed to be reminded of. Some these things we already know, but it's hard to put into practice. Um, and just reading this book really uh, helped put it all into a nice little folder in my brain. And and I, I whenever I feel like I'm losing it, I, I think back to the book and just some of the words that he said. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'll throw that uh, that book with the author in the show notes and the uh, episode details, just so people can, you know, yeah. go, go look at that if they'd like to. Um, okay, um, I actually I just have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, photography is something you've been wanting to do for a while, and it wasn't until recently that you decided to go head first into it. And yeah. So, for all the people listening, that either you know, whether it's photography, whether it's dance, whether it's running, whether it's cooking, you know, taking up baking, whatever. If those people don't feel totally confident in starting, do you have any advice for people that are going through that? Yeah, I totally, I still feel like I have imposter syndrome. Um, I don't know if you know that that term, but it's it's when you start something new or start a new job and you just feel kind of like a fraud because you don't know what you're doing and you're just making it up as you go. So I definitely have been feeling that sometimes where I'm like, I don't know if I like, how do I set a rate? Like I've never done that with photography. It just, it felt very foreign, but in a good way. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just feel like trust your gut because that's when you know you're on to something. When I was starting photography a few months, well, not starting, when I was when I got my new camera and I was doing self-portraits, I, I found when I finished a shoot and I looked back on the on the on the photos that I took, if I wasn't excited by it, then it it didn't spark joy and it didn't it wasn't gonna be something that I could learn from. I found that when I was excited by something that I shot, I could find things to to um, build upon and and keep and and grow that that idea. Um, so yeah, I would just say whatever whatever sparks joy, whatever finds excitement, just keep following that because um, that's <laughs> that's been my motto so far is just like pushing the envelope and finding ways to to ignite that. Uh, excitement basically so yeah (laughs) that's amazing uh obviously i feel like that's going to hit home for a lot of people because i feel like a lot of my audience they look to my podcast and search for some type of inspiration some type of fire to be you know almost lit within them so thank you for that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no yeah (laughs) so just to wrap things up uh, i do in every episode at the end i do what's called a mountain minute Okay. And so that's a, it's a rapid fire round of questions and basically they're simple questions and, uh, you know, we're just going to see how, how uh, quick you can answer them. Sweet. Let's do it. This This is is the the Mountain 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 Minute. minute. Three, two, one. Favorite movie. Um, Ooh, (laughs) what came to mind? Oh, shoot. Uh, Oh my God. I'm losing the title. Oh, Forrest Gump. (laughs) Favorite food. Sushi. Go to breakfast. Um, bagel and cream cheese. Favorite song. Uh, oh goodness. I don't have one. 
What is your guilty pleasure song? Um, September. Mm. Favorite day of the week. <laughs> favorite day of the week? Um, Saturday. Least favorite day of the week? Thursday. Favorite color? Blue. What time do you usually go to bed? Midnight. What time do you usually wake up? 9 a.m. <laughs> if you could make any animal your pet, what animal would you choose? A dog, for sure. <laughs> so basic. If you could change the stigma around one thing in the world, what would it be? The stigma? Trans lives. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? No one. If you could have any superpower, what would you choose? Flying. Sweet or salty? Salty. Coffee or tea? Tea. Rain or shine? Shine. Day or night? Day. Favorite number? Four. Where do you want to travel? East Asia. Fill in the blank. This podcast is? Amazing. <laughs> I set you up for that one. <laughs> Thank you, Jaden. It was incredible to reconnect and it was incredible to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. You definitely gave me a lot to think about. <laughs> I'm happy. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you once again for tuning into another episode of the Mountain Movers podcast. Please, if you are an iTunes listener and enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a rating and a review. Ratings help this podcast gain traction, which ultimately will grow the Mountain Movers community. So until next time, keep climbing. Love always, Jake.